Truth be told, they act like they know. But if I'm honest, bro, yo, I ain't here for no career, man. Welcome to the One Haas Alumni Podcast. My name is Sean Lee, and today I'm joined by Ace Patterson of the full-time MBA class of 2016. Now, Ace is first and foremost a hip-hop artist and Haas rap legend under the moniker Call Me Ace. Now, if you're wondering what this amazing music you've been listening to this whole time is, it's his music. We're so honored to have him on the podcast today. And uh, Ace, you've been an alum for, what, about four years now, right? Dang. <laughs> four years, feel like yesterday. <laughs> So let's start off with giving our listeners a sense of your background, you know, where you're from, what you did before Haas. Yeah, Ace Patterson, grew up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. My family's from Jamaica. I was the first one born in the U.S. on my dad's side. Went to school in New York, did education, nonprofit after that for a couple years. I went to business school, as you obviously know. And uh, went after that into consulting, did that for a bit, then went into consumer marketing on the operations side, did that for a little bit. And now I'm at YouTube, specifically in the partner development space, focus on music labels. And then simultaneously, I'm also a hip hop artist, uh, rap name Call Me Ace, and I've been growing on, on that side simultaneously. I do have to ask, you know, during your time at Columbia for your undergrad, you studied anthropology. How'd you come to pick that degree? Man, <laughs> the degree found me. You know, I, I thought I was going to go into economics. My, my grades and my wherewithal said otherwise. And so I was looking for something not mathematical, something that I could, you know, kind of leverage some of the other skills that I had. I found out that, you know, you could get good grades by just writing as opposed to taking tests that involved theories and such. So uh, I had an anthropology class and an intro, and then one that was, I can't even remember, it was so weird, but it was intriguingly weird. It was like, oh, like all we're doing is talking about cultures and civilizations and, you know, nation state boundaries and how they're a construct and they're not really real. I was like, oh, this is the kind of material that'll uh, keep me engaged. And, you know, really being able to write about like almost anything, you know what I mean? That came of interest. You know, one, I took this class where we got to watch anime all day and write about like Atira and stuff. And I was like, you know, I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z. Why would I not try to take this class and get this A? Like, are you out of your mind? And then uh, I ended up graduating. <laughs> like I wrote this rap, I wrote this rap talking about like how weird supermarkets are, the fact that you, you know, go to a place and the fruit is already picked for you and it's sitting outside. Like that's not normal. You know what I mean? And like I turned it into a rap and ended up getting published in the Columbia University Journal for Anthropology. Like, okay, let's go. You know what I mean? And so that's how I ended up graduating with the with the degree in anthropology. I was being enticed to use other gifts that I thought really didn't have a place in the academic world and found out, wow, like I could actually do this and you know what I mean? Growing that way. Have you always been involved in music and rapping growing up? Uh, definitely like the creative arts for sure. I started off drawing. I could still draw and, and illustrate. Went into acting. My mom would have us sing and 
me and my oldest sister and my younger brother, we were like a bootleg version of Boys to Men and Jackson 5. We would do our thing. My, my oldest sister always had the lead role. You know, I had to work up a, a mean arrangement tune. But yeah, we would kill it. And then around like middle school, because it wasn't cool to win poetry awards, I, I became a rapper. But what was, what was kind of interesting, just seeing the, the route that I was going, my AP English class that I was taking in high school, my teacher who, who I loved, you know, she allowed me to make a, a song as my final paper for like mm-hmm. an assignment and made a rap song about like Russ Kalnikoff and crime and punishment. You know what I mean? And like, I got an A off of it. I was like, Oh snap. Like, yeah, I mean that, that like kind of like broke my sense of like what I can and can't do in these kind of like institutions, you know? So right. even just thinking about, and the reason why that thought came to mind is cause I was just talking about like the anthropology journal. Like I forgot I even did that, but that was just another example of like, you know, being able to do that. And then, you know, I also did something similar, you know, with Haas making the uh, You Only Haas One song with with my classmate Bomi Kim, shout outs to her, that, you know, like Haas, I, I love Haas, you know what I mean? They were using it for admissions. I'm like, oh, that's dope, <laughs> right? Like yeah. that's, didn't think it would be like that, right? But, you know, just finding those opportunities to really, you know, merge the things that you love, it's dope, it's, it's dope. And I, I feel like that helped me to really go through schools, go through my jobs <laughs> and doing all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, to be able to express yourself on a medium that is natural to you, right? I mean, for example, I don't think I'm a natural writer by any means. And I just happened to stumble on this podcasting platform. And it's, it's like, you know, talking to people, which is something I love doing. I love talking to people. And now hopefully I get to do this for a living which would be amazing. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Hey, your boy took a break, but he back today. Call me Ace, a.k.a. High Grade. Watch me graduate. Got that fire. Baby, so much fire. Watch me gravitate. Be the light. Always in the light. Yes, your magic. The next thing I'm curious about is what made you go into consulting coming out of Haas? I was told that uh, consulting is like, you know, an applied MBA. I was coming from nonprofit education. My my boss was a former consultant. My boss's boss worked in the finance institutions. And so in order to like get business skills, you know what I mean? To really grow a business acumen. Yeah. Going to business school was one thing, but then it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do after it? Right. And mm-hmm. so going into consulting for me, it was just like, you know, I, I want to be able to get in like a really quick amount of time, those business skills that, you know, may, I may or may not have right now, but I just want to sharpen them. You know what I mean? Like I, I felt like business school, I was getting some dope knowledge for sure and met some dope people, but like, I still hadn't really like done anything. You know what I mean? And from like the standpoint of like, business like I had business skills that I obtained right from yeah. nonprofit but like okay now it's time to put them to the test and I felt like consulting would be that that space to really build that foundation for whatever other stuff I was gonna do after that that makes a lot of sense I was just thinking I mean from our initial background research on you in preparation for this interview 
We noticed that you served as the executive board member and co-founder and president of the Columbia University Society of Hip Hop, right? And you guys had over 50 successful events under your belt in under two years. And, and I know that's just a student organization, but that's still a pretty major achievement to be able to pull that off in the time that you did. And you know, on top of your long resume, I think you're definitely not giving yourself enough credit for the business experience that you have, right? <laughs> Dang, man. I uh, didn't feel like that at the time, but you're right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always hard, right? Like when you're, when you're doing something that you love, you don't even see really what you're doing. You're just doing it, right? And um, yeah, like I can think back to those uh, moments where it was like, hey, you know, what are all the different groups on campus and who can we collaborate with, right? Like if they have events, are there events that we can join you know, join forces, you know what I mean? Because not only will it be a cool opportunity to be like, yo, we got to work with these people, but then it also grew our reach, you know what I mean? And like now with the hat I'm on now, yeah, I can look back and be like, oh, that was a smart idea. But at the time I was just like, yo, like they're cool. They think we're cool. Let's do some cool stuff together, right? And then before you know it, like the events that we would do that was just us, have like hundreds of people coming in. <laughs> That's amazing. So right after Deloitte, you've since moved to Facebook. You worked there for a bit in marketing and now you're at YouTube. Can you share with our listeners what the progression there was? How did all that happen? From Deloitte to Facebook, Facebook reached out to me about an opportunity to leverage the strategic and operation skills that I got from consulting and in my past experience in, in education, as well as the marketing. So some of my latest opportunities at consulting was around marketing strategy for media and entertainment companies. And so Facebook saw that, reached out to me about this opportunity, ended up being a good fit, was doing that for a couple of years. And then YouTube I met some folks through the grapevine. I also had awesome mentors who knew folks at Google and plugged me into some opportunities where it was like, oh, hey, you know, not only do you have these SNO skills, marketing skills, but you're also in the music industry as well. Would you be interested in looking at this opportunity of like creator and artist development and talk to the folks there, got to learn a bit more about the work that they did. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is pretty cool. <laughs> and so that's how that happened. And yeah, it's been three months. It's been pretty cool. Like I can't, I can't complain. Has COVID affected your ability to make music or collaborate with people? Uh, nah, because, you know, I have a studio right behind me and, um, you know, I think if anything, being able to like just make things happen i i feel like fortunately we we have the internet you know and so yeah. just like even how we're able to communicate now like i'm able to communicate with people that i want to collab with just last night i was talking to my producer and my engineer to you know fine tune something that we plan on rolling out soon and it was i mean that's kind of how i've been doing it since 2016 so i think the the physical aspects Sure, like, you know, being able to do shows, yeah, but that's okay. I know <laughs> there's, there's, there's so much to, 
grieve about. I think the shows are, it's sad for sure, but there's, there's different ways to interact with folks. And I think that as we continue to explore and learn about those, I, I think it's going to actually, it's going to make, it's going to make the connection with the artist and the fan actually a lot stronger, in my opinion, mm. for those that actually like use it correctly. The, the, the proximity is crazy now, right? Yeah. And so all the more, okay, can't go out on shows and like have people like touch your hand, sure. But, you know, there's IG Live, there's YouTube live streams, there's, you know, all type of other companies where, you know, they, they have a system for like exclusive. I saw this app recently where it's like a meet and greet app where it literally it like times, it's like every five seconds, it switches from person to person, whoever's in the queue. And for better or for worse, I think that COVID and the situation that we're in right now, it's really forcing folks to either get even closer, right? Because people are missing people. So it's yeah. like, you got to get closer than you probably were before, technologically speaking, or be super distant and almost like, I don't know, face the consequences, I guess, right? Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't really see any, I don't see us going backwards, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so up next, I do want to dig a little bit more into your music. Let's first start with, um, you know, how a Light Armor Music, your label, came to be. Yeah. So Light Armor Music, I started it during my last semester of business school. And if you think about how, like, back in the day I was doing music, I was doing it from the perspective of, like, yo, I'm, I'm learning how to be an artist. Mm. I'm growing in my craft. I'm performing. I'm learning how to perform. I'm, I'm learning how to grow stage presence and all that stuff. And then I stop rapping after I graduate college. I get back into rapping by the time I graduate business school. And this time I have a different hat on instead of thinking about it from the standpoint of an artist for me like getting back into music was like riding a bike you know what I mean I, I didn't I didn't really feel like I I put in enough work back in the day that to like restart yeah wasn't a difficult thing what was going to be completely new to me was oh how do I do this as a business because now I have a business hat on now I'm fascinated by like not just oh I can make music but oh I can develop a product now how do I get this product out to the world? How can I market it? How can I distribute it? How can I get it into the hands of people? What are people using to even listen to the music, right? There's all these different platforms. How can I like consolidate and, and maximize the reach that I can have with this product that I know I can make without, you know, that much like effort, right? Yeah. And so that then became my, my desire. It's like, oh, how, how can I do music business? And I didn't go to... I went to a business school. I didn't go to a music business program within the school, right? And so a lot of the stuff that I was learning um, was just applying like general business principles and then studying, you know, shout outs to one of the four principals at Berkeley Huss, right? Student always. And so just because I'm about to graduate doesn't mean that I've stopped learning. And so continuing to study and learn about the music business, what do you need? How do you structure all that kind of stuff? And that's how, you know, I, I set up the record label just to really, you know, and it was like the record label, trademarking the name, you know, getting my publishing in order, like all that kind of stuff, all the, all the paperwork that uh, I had no idea you needed back in the day. I was like, oh, okay. If I'm going to really go out and do yeah. this, I'm going to do it like this. Right. 
So how did the name Call Me Ace come about? Man, a homie. <laughs> My homie, shout out to Gary Piven, man. We, uh, I came back from Barcelona after studying abroad and that winter break right before I went into my last semester, we just had this long conversation just catching up because it it had been a minute and um, just kind of like without even really thinking about it, it was just like, yo, like, can you rap? You know, like, is is this something that you'd still be able to do? Ah, man, like, yeah, I guess I could still rap. You know what I mean? Like I haven't attempted to try, but I'm sure I could do it if I want. He's like, you should do it. And then I gave him like all these reasons as to why, I don't want to do it or like why I don't think it'd be a good idea to do it or why all these different excuses as to why it's just not a good idea. And he basically refuted every last one of them, even down to the the name. I was like, I don't have a rap name. And he was like, oh, well, what's your Instagram name said? And I went on Instagram and it said, call me Ace. He's like, boom, that's your rap name. I, like I had no excuses for him. So I was like, all right, fine. Like, like I'll tell you, like we, we grew up together. You know what I mean? Like this is, if he's, if he's like, He's he's like one of the few that can really like get into my head over some stuff like this. You know what I mean? So I was like, I right, fine. Cause he was like, he saw my first rap. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's he's different. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of how it went. It was low-key a joke in my mind, up to the point where I started putting out me, I put out like a couple songs on SoundCloud and started getting attention from like my classmates you know they were like oh this is actually this is actually good this is actually good you know and then you know me and Bomi, we made uh uh the yoho song and from that point i was like i right, you know like may- maybe i could maybe i could really i could do something you know what i mean let me let me figure this out we'll definitely have to share that video link uh in the description but you know can you share with us what are some topics that you talk about in your music what are some themes or motifs yeah a few a few of the themes you know around perseverance so thinking about how you know i've gone from the inner city parts of bridgeport connecticut to where i am now and everything in between in order to you know get to this point and the privileges that we have within the various communities that we're in and how to leverage what we what we have even when we're in an unjust and unequal environment. How mm-hmm. can we be encouraged, be motivated, be empowered to move forward and make change, not just for yourself, but for those around you? I'm really about going against the social grain. Right. And so, you know, really challenging and and almost provoking folks at times to really reconsider a lot of the stuff that um we see and are exposed to and what's normal and what really is success and what should I actually be doing with my time, with my life? My, my goal is honestly is to create more access and opportunity for those that need it to help people live a rich life and not just a life full of riches. And in any way that I could do that, you know what I mean? Across cultures, across ethnicities, all that. That's, that's, that's really in a nutshell what I do. Wow, that's, that's really powerful. I think that should be the quote of the interview which is that people listening should help people live a rich life and not just a life full of riches. Feels like the whole world's on fire and it won't stop burning. And there's nowhere to hide
So I want to take this opportunity to segue into an important conversation. This is us recording on Friday, May 29th, the week of George Floyd's murder in Minnesota. Ace, I was wondering if you could share with our listeners and our Haas community how we can stand up to become better allies. What are some actions and steps we can take so that we don't just stand by you, but take action against the racial injustice that just needs to be eradicated in this country? Yeah. Um, now nah, it's a, it's it's a real question, and I, I think it, you know, really for those that are asking it, I imagine it's coming from a good place, and I know not everybody's asking it, so you know, there's that too. But you know, being being an ally, I mean, it first of all, it just means like, do you care? Do you care enough? Because you know, when I'm when I'm playing a video game. And I know this is my partner, and I know that me and my partner have to finish this game together. If if there's people shooting at my partner, they're shooting at my team. Right. And I try everything in my power to not have that power shoot at my team. I it's not, oh, okay, well, dang, like he died out, but I could still win it for us. Oh, it's like, nah, like. We're, we're in this together. In fact, if he loses or she loses, like we lose. Yeah. And so, you know, to be an ally, I mean, you got you to gotta care enough to even see it from that vantage point. I think as far as, um, you know, what are the things that we can do to build that camaraderie, to, to build that, that sense of, of, of team, um, you know, it, there's various things from exposure, education, conversation diversifying the 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 rooms that we're in not being afraid to be wrong not being afraid to be humbled uh not being afraid of our own ignorances and and prejudices you know understanding our implicit bias understanding the things that we've learned over the years that could be wrong um and 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 unlearning that like it's it's work but i mean you know I can I can stay up making music till two a.m. because I love it, and because I I understand that even even when I'm exhausted, that the outcome is going to be better. That I enjoy it. I I can I can go run outside for four miles, five miles, be exhausted, barely breathe, but know that tomorrow it's going to be is going to be worth it. And yeah. so the work that we need to do to be teammates with each other. It's it's not gonna be easy. It's not like it's just a cute rosy road, no bumps in it or whatever. But we know that if we're doing it for the right reasons, it's gonna produce the right outcomes. If we create those safe spaces for one another, in order to have that that time to grow with each other, the outcome's gonna be gonna be better, regardless of how bumpy it is in that moment. That's for people that want to do it. There's a lot of people that don't want to do that work. There's a lot of people that don't care. There's a lot of people that like to stay in their own sense of truth and, and, and understanding. And I mean, that's a different conversation. So I don't even want to talk about that. Um, But for folks that, you know, want to be an ally, I mean, first of all, like there's, there's topics that I just am not 
knowledgeable enough to talk about and if I am knowledgeable enough to talk about and probably not even the right spokesperson to talk about certain things. And so, you know, even that, you know what I mean? It's like sometimes our good intentions might not be the best moves, mm. but I mean, again, that, that comes with the, that comes with the experience. Right. So right. again, like to be afraid, Oh, I don't know. Should I say this? Should I not say this? I don't know if it's right or right. How, how, how are you going to know if you never tried it? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then if you end up being silent cause you're afraid, well, then you, then you kind of look like the people that don't care to begin with. Right. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a quote in the Bible that says a, a foolish person and a wise person look the same when they're not saying a word. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's very easy to, you know, look wise by not saying something, but you could easily just look like a fool too. Um, yeah. I think people need to hear again, what you just quoted that a foolish person and a wise person look the same, but they don't say a word. And even myself, I mean, I, I catch myself waking up at least once this week, feeling a little helpless. But then I reminded myself, this isn't about me. This isn't about how or what I feel. I mean, my feelings won't stop these murders. Like I need to do something, anything. Anything is better than nothing. Uh, even as you said it, it may be misguided at first and maybe in the wrong direction. But, you know, how can I be a change maker if I'm afraid to make mistakes and, and look like a fool, right? How can I learn to have constructive conversations around this if I'm afraid to speak up and ask questions even? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you, you, as well as, as, as I in whatever situation I'm in, like we don't know everything. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's okay to recognize like, like, like when someone's family member dies that they really love and, and all they want is for that person to come back. And you might not have ever experienced the situation that they've been in. And you're like, oh man, I I care, right? So what yeah. do I do? What do I say? What do I do? And maybe there is nothing that you can actually say. There probably isn't something that you could say to make them feel better. Yeah. But what what is there? And you might not know. It might be your first time ever encountering that. So what do you do? Maybe it's your close friend and you just want to show that friend, hey, I love you and seeing you hurt makes me hurt. Yeah. And I, I'm just trying to make you understand that that's how I feel. Try something. Try something. Maybe, you know, you, what, lo what love language do you have, right? Maybe you're a gift giver. Maybe give them a gift, handwritten note. I'm thinking about you. Hey, let's like go to a movies or something. Maybe it's like, you know, quality time. Maybe you just want to like spend time. Maybe you just want to hear them talk hear them grieve or whatever. Maybe you want to do something for them. Like whatever the case is, right? There's something, there's something if you truly care, but it comes from a place of care. It comes from a place of love. It comes from a place of empathy. And they might, you know, there's also the very fair chance that they are so hurt that they don't even want to hear from you. Yeah. And we have to be like mature enough to like not take that offense. You know what I mean? And like in an offensive way and, and be like, oh, then I'm just never in my life going to try to console another human being when they go through any loss because this one time that I tried with this person that I wanted to show my care for, they responded in a way that I don't think they understood, nor do I feel like they care about me. You know what I mean? Like it usually comes yeah. back to like, oh, how we feel. 
Yeah. And that, you know, we can, <laughs> we can keep going about that, but yeah. like it's how much do we care? Right. And if we're all on the same team, we're, we're emotional human beings living this life together, mm-hmm. you know, just let's be on the same team because the worst thing you can do again is not even show me whose team you're on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, I'm watching, you know, the last dance, you know, the Michael Jordan uh, uh, thing or whatever. And it's like, you see, you see the way that he's communicating with his, his teammates and whether or not you agree with how he's talking. I like, I don't like, you know, for a fact that the bulls are on the bulls team. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like when, when the, the stakes are high and people are emotional and people have different feelings about what's going on in the game and this and that and the third, that shouldn't, completely overcast the fact that, hey, we're all on the same team. Right. You know what I mean? Because as soon as the chemistry is broken on the team, then, oh, guess what? No one's winning. No one's winning. So, you know, we have to build up that sense of, of, of teammateship, if I could just make up a word, uh, with each other, especially when it comes to this. Because, like, people are dying, yo. Like, I've been at Berkeley mistaken for looking like uh, a robber and was wrongfully detained by cops. And the only thing... You know, shout outs to Jesus Christ for the ultimate saving. But like, I literally was in front of a cop car with big white lights on and a person in the other side was my like, if she said, if she said I looked like the robber, I was going to go to jail. And it literally, she just had to say yes or no. And I, I, I don't even know this woman. I couldn't see this woman. It's pitch black. An hour before that, I was, I was at, I was at Haas. I was at the, um. What building is that? The Shape Building or whatever. Fourth floor. They had McKinsey there, Bain there. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to become a consultant. This is my first semester. I'm trying to learn about these companies and what makes them different and this and that. Deloitte's there, all this stuff. I'm in a whole business suit. I go back home. I change my outfit. I put on a hoodie because I'm cold because you know how Berkeley gets at 8 p.m. Yeah. And I ride my bike over to my friend's place. My my Mexican friend and my Italian friend is there and my friend from Turkey is there. And, you know, it's this international group. And I'm about to teach them how to play some spades. You know what I mean? Which apparently is more international of a game than I thought it was at the time. So I was very excited. And then just so happened that I fit the description of a robber because I'm wearing a, a dark blue Berkeley hoodie in Berkeley. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like we, this is this is real. This is real, and it's real for a lot of people. If you don't understand it, that's okay. But don't try to downplay other people's real lived situations that happen on a daily basis and have been happening. You know what I mean? Like Emmett Till is a real situation. You know what I mean? Nineteen sixty-eight. That's a real period in time. You know what I mean? And George Floyd this week. That was a real situation too. And so. that's that's all i'm gonna say thank you for sharing that ace i think it's so important for people to just hear that you know other people's lives and perspectives what they have to go through and deal with every day what you had to go through and what you still have to go through that you shouldn't have to you know and, and and just how easy it is for people to take action right just to reach out to show that they at least care you know take that first step just putting that first foot you know that one foot in front of the other and and um, because, you know, that's, that's the only way change is going to happen, right? It's real easy to look at my life and assume my steps was easy. Like I just hopped and skipped over here. So my life is real easy.
lot of people don't see the prayers, the support, the motivation, the, the pain, the tears, the blood literally shed just to get here, you know? So when I look at my life, I'm like, yeah. Celebrate, yeah, I gotta celebrate. Really felt like yesterday, couldn't grab a second plate. Ever since the second grade, I knew I had to entertain. I wish these bills that said the same. I remember. So, I'm just curious. Like, do you have a favorite poet? You know, who's your favorite poet, I should say? Uh, do you have a favorite rapper or a favorite song that inspires you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not including myself, right? <laughs> no, you can include yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Call me top five on everybody playlist now. Nah, right. um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I like one of the one of the dopest books that I read. I was the first book I read in AP English called "Invisible Man" by Ralph Ellison. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was so powerful, yo, and I didn't realize just how dope it was until I actually started living life outside of my outside of high school, like college onwards. Right, like you have this this protagonist that don't even got a name. Oh, so deep. The protagonist don't even got a name is going through life, being judged by his skin, being judged by his, his politics, being judged by his wealth, being judged by all these different things. And is trying to find the right community for him and is getting played by everybody, getting played by the black man, getting played by the white man, getting played by the communist, getting played by everybody. And, ends up going in his basement. That's how the that's how the book ends. <laughs> and like it's it's a while, but like it it really the reason why it really affected me is because I remember thinking, you know, I got to be this kind of person. I got to look like this kind of way. Maybe I'll be accepted by this group. I'll be accepted by the I feel like I've been outcasted by more groups than I've been accepted. But you know what? That's okay. When the time comes to go back out and to give what I've been given, you know, this gift that I have, this life that I have, when it's time to go out and give it, I pray that it's it's received by the right people that need it. And so, you know, that book to this day is like the crux of how I how I look at all the things that I do and the way that I interact with everybody. And then the Bible, that book, that got a lot of poems, that got a lot of psalmists, if we're talking about that as well. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Ace. We definitely have to give you a shout out for your music on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever the hell people listen to music. You know, uh, we're going to link it down in the description below, but make sure you look up Ace under Call Me Ace. Yeah. His Twitter handle and Instagram is also just Call Me Ace, but add a legit to the back of it. Call Me Ace Legit, right? Uh, you already know. Nah, I I just, I appreciate uh, you, Sean, uh, for everything that you're doing. And then particularly, you know, again, like asking the question, I, I, uh, it, it, there's, I feel like people want to even ask the question, right? And so thank you for just ensuring that the question could be asked, not just for you, because I feel like you, you, (laughs) I feel like you know, right? But like, it's not just for you, it's for the people that need it. And so, you know, again, I'm just thankful that you have this platform that is not just, you know, hey, let's love Haas together, which we, we are doing, but it's also one of service and for need for others. So uh, just thank you for the work that you're doing for others. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ace. 
what I can do is just continue to also support your music. That's uh, it's pretty much my one of my missions now. <laughs> it's just to support Ace wherever I can because I'm I'm just the biggest fan. I appreciate um, it. Hey, <laughs> maybe in 2022 when we can have physical shows, I could see you uh, at a show. But until then, I'll, I'll see you on live. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank yeah. you so much, Ace. Yeah, man. Likewise. Now, I know you enjoyed the music we played for you today, made by our very own Hasi, Call Me Ace. That first song in the intro was called Resume. The second jam was called Mr. UN. The third was called Burnin'. And the last track here is titled Celebrate. You can find all his music for purchase on Apple iTunes or stream it on your favorite music player like Spotify or Tidal. So make sure you go over there and give him a follow and support our fellow Hasi. Give Ace a follow on social media as well at Call Me Ace Legit so you'll know when he's in town for a show. And lastly, if you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player and give us a rating and review. If you would like to hear about current student perspectives, please check out our sister podcast here at Haas, or you can subscribe to our monthly podcast newsletter on onehaas.org. Until next time, go Bears.